Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We'll see what the Spirit will do. Amen for us this evening. Luke chapter number 16, warn you ahead of time, this is a lengthy reading. All right, I'm going to read the full story just for the purpose of it. But in Luke 16, I hope I said 16, in verse number 19, the Bible says there was a certain rich man which was was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things, Thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said I pray thee therefore father that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. For a little while this evening, at least in my expectation, I want to preach this. The prayer request of hell. The prayer request of hell. I feel like this is a little leftovers from our prayer month. The prayer request of hell. Hallelujah. Let's pray right now. Father, I come to you tonight. I'm grateful, Lord, to be in this house. God, we're grateful, Lord, for what we have, Lord, experienced here today. God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you're not through with us yet. Pray, Lord, for your anointing upon my mind, upon my lips, upon my body. I pray, O oh God, today, Lord, that you're able to speak, Lord, some fresh word into our hearts, into our souls. God, whether, God, this be 45 minutes or 20 minutes, God, let in the next few moments we connect with heaven. God, I pray, O oh Lord, let there be a suitable word, Lord Jesus, delivered into our lives. God, something that we can grow by, something that we can latch on to, God, and draw some nourishment from. God, will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Can the church say amen? Shake a neighbor's hand, if you will, right before you're seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated here this evening. The prayer request of hell. Scripture, the Lord in particular is sharing a story. Uh, I am of the persuasion that this is a parable of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are others that believe that this was an actual occurrence because uh, in most parables he speaks in generalities about a certain person or a certain this, but in this particular story he names a man by the name of Lazarus. But I'm of the persuasion that it is a parable because of some of the things that happened in the story are not things that I tend to believe that shall happen as far as uh, the interaction between those in hell and those in heaven because the Bible says there would be no tears in our eyes and I don't think there would be any sorrow. I think it would somehow uh, engage sorrow to see our loved ones that didn't make it uh, someday. But nevertheless, in this parable that the Lord shares, it, he does this parable in such a way that there are some very, very stark contrasts that he relates to us through this story, stark contrast that he relates to us in scripture uh, he tells the story of evidently of someone who is rich and the other man is poor uh, he tells the story how one of them is very elegantly uh, clothed and lavished in their clothing and then the other is known as a beggar and as it would be not as nice or elegant as clothing as this rich man and speaking of their diet or the things that they uh, had the ability of feeding upon one is spoken of that he fared sumptuously or sumptuously fed and the other though was then just desiring the crumbs of that sumptuous feeding and that meal so there's some very very contrasting ideas here one uh, as far as our understanding is in good health but the other man which is Lazarus is laying at the gates and the Bible speaks particularly that his body has sores in so much that even the dogs come and eat the, and not eat but lick rather the sores that are upon his physical body he's physically wretched one no doubt because of his position in the economy of life has some social influence while the other one is just in a beggarly isolation alone by himself and yet the scripture goes on to speak a little bit of life after life lived upon this earth and still the contrast exists that one is cast into the hell and the other is carried into heaven furthermore the bible speaks that one had a notable uh, burial that there was great a great burial for the rich man but the other not even nothing spoken really of his burial he's just carried away into abraham's bosom i mean what type of burial can a beggar have so uh, one is buried the other is just spoken of just being carried away because evidently their burial was not much to be spoken of one is spoken of in this life of being tormented and then comforted and then one is spoken of being comforted in this life and then uh, tormented and there is something though that is evident concerning two of these stories although they contrast very very greatly and the thing that is illustrated in both of these stories is that regardless of whatever these two paths of life are both these men die regardless of the richness or the pauper or the being nicely clothed or being well fed or being physically wretched or having health or no health the story of the ending is somewhat uh, the same in the natural life when we consider that both these men died and the other similarity between these two stories is this both of these men lived after death 
They both died a natural death upon the earth, but they are both going to live an eternal life after that death. And the Bible speaks in Scripture in verse number 23. It uses the terminology or it uses the verbiage that the rich man in hell lifted up his Eyes. He lifted up his eyes and it's very shortly after he lifts up his eyes that he is making a request. All times in scripture from the Old Testament even to the New Testament whenever a person uplifted their eyes that was a gesture of prayer. The Bible speaks how Isaac in the Old Testament went out to a field the Bible says to meditate and he lifted up his eyes, amen, because he was engaging in a time of meditation or in a time of prayer unto the Lord. The Bible speaks in New Testament scripture oftentimes that Jesus, particularly in the book of John, is many times seen lifting up his eyes. And when he does, he is making requests and prayers to his Father, which is in heaven. A lifting up of the eyes is a mode or a gesture of prayer. I believe the old time writer said it well or perhaps best Leonard Ravenhill whenever he said that the most fervent prayer meetings are in hell. The Bible says that the rich man lifted up his eyes. He's in a mode, in a posture of prayer and he makes a request unto Abraham. He makes a request of those that are in the heavenlies and hell's first prayer request in the scripture. He said if you could just somehow send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in the torment of this flame. But he really prefaces it all with this he says father Abraham have mercy on me the first prayer request of hell was that they could somehow find mercy yet the tragedy of the first prayer request of hell is this they are asking for something that they had all along their life's journey they're asking for something that was afforded them and given to them all along on life's journey and so the first prayer request of hell will be a prayer request for mercy yet while the rich man was there in his bed and was fed at his table and had good health in his body all along in life he had mercy his first prayer request was for himself his first prayer request was for his need the bible says in lamentations 3 and verse 22 it is of the lord's mercies that we we are not consumed because of his because his compassions fail not. The reason why we're able to walk today as we walk, amen, and sometimes dabble in the things that we even shouldn't dabble in is because only the Lord's mercies are present upon this earth and he has not consumed us in a moment just because his mercy. But I've come to declare on the Sunday Eve that there will be a day regardless what your path may be in life that you will die but you will live in an afterlife and the prayer of hell is for mercy Amen. it will be a prayer for mercy the second prayer request of hell 
is noted in verse number 27. Whenever he spoke up and said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. The rich man saying, Father Abraham, if you could just allow Lazarus to resurrect. If you could just send him to my father's house. He says, I have five brethren there. And if he could go there and testify to them. If he could speak to them about the words of life. If he could speak to them about the journey. If he could speak to them about there being two destinies. If he could speak to them about all these wonderful things. If if you could just send a word with Lazarus back to my family. If I can boil it down just to layman's terms. uh, What the rich man was asking for. His second prayer request was this. He says, will you just send a word with a preacher to my father's house. Send a word with the preacher, amen, to my father's house. Let him preach to them about the laws of Moses. Let him preach to them about what the prophets preach. And you know what the response was, amen, that Abraham gave back to them. He said, hey, you have the law and you have Moses. In other words, it doesn't really matter who it's coming through. If it's the truth, if it's my word, then you need to give ear to that. Changing churches isn't going to do it for you. Somebody hear me right now. Changing churches isn't doing for you. I'm speaking right now in the Holy Ghost that if something's been flickering through the mind of somebody, I'll go to another assembly and another church. You better just nail yourself right where you are in the house of God because the law and the prophets are still going to be spoken. It isn't a matter of who's preaching. It's not a matter of who's prophesying. It's all about the word. And if that word is going from one preacher and being preached by another preacher, there's no difference going to be made. The difference is in our obedience. The second prayer request of hell is send me a preacher. interesting to me that the two prayer requests for hell are two things that was readily available to that man whenever he lived upon the earth. He had mercy while he lived upon the earth and he had men that preached and uttered the word of Moses and of the prophets while he was upon the earth. And that tells me very specifically then that there was not a deficiency of mercy and there was not a deficiency of a preacher to preach the word. It all really came down to one thing and it's called obedience. It's called obedience. How can the same word that's preached to one people and then to another people. Amen. How can there be an alteration? It'd be different seemingly for that person rather than the next person. It all comes down to obedience. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because the tragedy is this. Hmm. That while there are prayers in hell, there are no altars in hell. While there are prayers in hell, there are no altars in hell. Those people are beyond the reach of man. And they're in a place, in a position that they put themselves, that God and his mercy is beyond the reach of them. Someone say amen. 
C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said the safest road to hell is the gradual one. He said it's the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. In other words, lo and behold, you find yourself there and you're like, I didn't see 10 more miles and then hell. But in hell there are, someone say, no altars. And yet we see the series all throughout the Testaments. Amen. Moses making altars, Abraham making altars, Isaac making altars, Jacob making altars, Noah making altars, 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 altars being built in the New Testament, altars being built in the Old Testament. Amen. There is though no altar in hell. Yet ironically, listen, listen, ironically, there is no praying in heaven. Yet the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation there's an altar there. Yet prayers are being made in hell and there are no altars in hell. Let me preach this this evening that to avoid an altar now is to be without one later. But to incorporate an altar now is forever to have the accessibility of an altar later. The people who find no need for prayer at an altar now will find need for prayer at an altar later. And the people who find need for prayer at an altar now will find no need for an altar later. In heaven, all will have access to an altar, but they won't have no need of an altar. But everybody in hell will wish they had access to an altar because they're still trying to pray some prayers. Someone say amen. So the people will have it, will not need it, and the people that wish they had it don't got it. You know, a lot of people in the New Testament took great clout of being able to trace their heritage and legacy back to Abraham, the father of the Jews. Many times even they used that as, as though, as we spoke this morning, that that gave them perks and privileges. And they would sometimes bring that up in dialogue and conversation with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we're of the seed of Abraham. It's almost like sliding money along with something to get it through, you know, that we're of the seed of Abraham, you know. But that didn't matter in this case because we read very clearly in Scripture that the rich man, when he lifted up his eyes, whenever he made his plea unto the Father Abraham, so to speak, he said just that. He said, Father Abraham, which denoted that rich man as a claim of natural descent from Abraham, although being of natural descent, where's his location at this time in life? It is in the depths of hell. It didn't matter that he had a natural descent in this thing. And I'm here to tell you just as a fourth generation Pentecost, that that being a part of my life is not going to keep me out of hell. Amen. My mom and my daddy living a good Christian life, that will not keep me out of hell. Attending the first apostolic church, the only church in Wabash County, is not going to keep me out of hell in and of itself it's going to take a little bit more than that and so the second prayer request is send me a preacher that he can preach to my family 
Send, send, me, send me a preacher with a word that can preach to my family. A testimony of someone that was dead but is now alive to preach to my family. It, it just it's, it puts a somber tone upon the reality that there could be a people in hell today who are making prayer requests that they could be in a Sunday night service just hearing the preacher preach one more time. That they could just hear the word of God spoken one more time that, that would issue guidance and direction and instruction for their life, for the life of their families. Honey, if hell has that type of prayer request, then the prayer request of those that are still on the top of this ground and not under it should be, Lord, God, help me, Lord, and give me some mercy, which he already does. And if there's ever a voice that's talking about God, give me a word from the preacher. We as saints that still on the top of this earth should be proclaiming, God uh, preach to us through the preacher Lord let him preach me happy let him preach me mad let him preach me glad let him preach healing in my life let him prophesy instruction and direction help me Lord to succumb to the voice of a man of God if hell has such a prayer request then we should have some prayer request we need to hear from heaven Someone say amen. He said if one came back from the dead, he said they wouldn't hear, wouldn't hear him. Interestingly enough, there was a man later in Scripture, Lazarus, that came back from the dead. And whenever he came back, there was just as many who wanted to kill him again. Rather than listen to his voice, to hear what he had to say. Look at this. This is interesting to me. The Bible says in verse 25, Abraham's response to him concerning mercy. Abraham said, son, he said, remember, everybody say remember. That thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. He said, my son, remember. I don't know about you, but there's something that troubles me to think that perhaps one of the greatest torments of hell will not be its intense heat, will not be its flame, will not be the gnashing of teeth, will not be the inability to die, but will be the living memory. Greater than flesh burning and stenching on the bodies of those that are there yet never being consumed will be the living memory of the life that they lived, the walks they walked, the opportunities they had, the negligence they took. Bishop, the services they could have been in. The ministry opportunities they could have engaged in. I am convinced that the greatest, greatest torment will be that of the memory.
of being able to remember of the advantages, the opportunities, the almost, the might us, the ifs and the buts and all these other things that we categorize and throw in our lives. Amen. Just playing over and over in our mind that this is where we are, but it did not have to be like that. Looking back in our mind's memory, we can see the exact locations where we had changed or altered and made a different decision or went a different route. It could have changed the destiny for that will be the greatest torment the greatest torment of hell I won't hold you much longer but just a little bit verse 30 says in his reply to sending the preacher telling him that they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them his response was in verse 30 nay father Abraham in other words yeah you say Moses and yeah you say the prophets but nay father Abraham they're not going to hear that as sister McGee and it has been the theme of this whole week so I know that we're not the only assembly in that position or place but we're dealing as I've spoken several weeks ago now we're dealing with a spirit of apathy today a spirit of indifference a spirit of lack of interest lack of emotion toward those things that used to arrest our attention and make us stand in allegiance to them he said nay that's the prophets nay that's Moses it's not going to happen and that's when his response was then it's not going to help you if one comes from the dead and starts talking about those things it's not the messenger amen we I know son we I have heroes let me tell you I have heroes that are preachers and and pastors and evangelists I have people that I love to hear preach but whenever the rubber meets the road it doesn't come down to the preacher it comes down to the message and if you can't be saved in this church you won't be able to be saved in another church you if you can't live for God here you're not going to live for God at any other church if you think you're going to be more faithful somewhere else than here, it's probably not going to happen. I don't know why I'm on this tonight, but we had the convenience. And let me tell you, I have a very good working relationship with Pastor Sizemore. Amen. Count him as a friend. Very good working relationship. Very much so. But I tell you this sometimes, folks. If just because something doesn't go your way, you think you're going to go 20 miles or 25 miles over to their church just because it doesn't go your way. You know what's happened over the past 20 years? That's happened. And then you know what? They come back over here. And then they go back over there. Somewhere along the line, you got to put some roots in the soil. And you got to dig in deep. And you got to get some nurturing or say well I'll go to Brother Clark's in Oakland City I know Brother Clark too or, or I'll go to Carrie Davis in Evansville yeah I'm saying I'm podcasting and staying there or I'll go to J.D. Mullins over in Cynthia listen to me right now folks I, I gotta say something here uh, this is business long past due, but I got to say something. And we all have Facebook accounts, but let me tell you something right now that if you're thinking about going somewhere or doing something else and there's another pastor getting on your Facebook saying, yeah, you should come. That'd be great. We'll help you out and all that stuff. You better cut that off right now. That, that is 100% unethical whenever it comes to pastoral ministry. That's 100% unethical. 
You're never going to see this man right here telling somebody, oh, you're thinking about, okay, come on. No, you know what I'm going to do? You need to try to stay right where you're at because it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else. If they're still with the law and still with the prophets, they'll be just fine right where they're at. You can't change churches every time the wind blows or every time something doesn't go your way. Put your heels down, standing right at the storm. And I want you to be honest with me, folks. If anybody starts soliciting you from this place, you come tell me. I understand we're all the body of Christ. I understand that. But there's no sense in making the arm. No sense in making one arm weak and another one strong. I understand things happen and I give my blessing to those things that happen. Please understand that. Do that. Do it with ethics. You better believe it. If someone comes here, I call that pastor. And let them know that person has been here a few services. I really don't know what's going on. But I'm just letting you know. All right? But switching churches and switching preachers isn't going to solve some people's issues. Staying at a church and staying with a preacher and being obedient to the word will. I'm, I don't know why I'm here. Let me just, just for education purposes, more, most people that have problems with issues at a church, whenever they leave, they didn't leave the problem, they didn't leave the issue. They took the spirit of their problem and their issue with them and you'll find they're gonna have a problem there and it's not that church's fault either. It's a person, a person, a personal problem that they can't just take an ax to, lay it down, ask forgiveness over and get through it. I have very seldom seen a person that was wishy-washy at this church, went to another church, and bless God, just became Holy Ghost saints and was so faithful to God's house. They were still wishy-washy over there, just the same as they were here. It's not a church problem. It's not a pastor problem. It's a personal problem. And the thing that we could all do the first time you hear wind of somebody getting disgruntled and saying, I'm about ready to pull up stakes, you need to look them square in the eye as a member of this congregation and tell them you need to keep your feet right here and work through it and submit to God and his word and it'll all be all right. Because there's people in hell right now that's wishing they had the word of a preacher in their life. God, help me today. Folks, this, I didn't plan on being here. 
but here I am. The apostle was speaking to the Galatian church. I've been won by the gospel. You will not have these scriptures. The Galatian church been one experienced the power of God he spoke to them early in the scripture how they were they were servants that they have been made sons and as sons they've been made heirs and heirs of the Lord Jesus Christ they call him now Abba Father and this great transition had happened in their life and he spoke about a time when they didn't know God and they didn't acknowledge God and whenever they were in that position they, they went after the nature of all these other gods but he said but after you've known God he, and, knew, and you knew God he said he asked this question how did you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements of the world he went on to say, and I believe maybe I've taught or preached along this line before. He even spoke to them and said, he said, I, I'm afraid of you lest I've bestowed upon you labor in vain. In other words, he says, the way that you're acting right now, I'm thinking that all the investment I put in you has been in vain. Now look now, he goes on, this is Galatians 4. He goes on in Galatians 4, and he talked to them about how when he first came, and he preached the gospel. This is the apostle Paul. And he preached to them with his infirmity because we know he had a thorn in the flesh, the Bible says. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. There's a lot of different ideas what that may have been or could not have been. In this scripture, they seem to lean toward the fact that maybe it had something to do with his eyesight because he says, when I first came to you and I preached to you the gospel and I had that infirmity in my flesh, he said, you didn't reject me. He said, when I first came to you, you didn't reject me. He said, you received me as an angel of God. He said, you, you received me even as Jesus Christ, as an angel of God. Whenever I first come to you to speak, you received me as that. He said, in so much that I bear record that if it had been possible, you had even plucked out your two eyes. He said, for me and given them to me. He said, whenever I first came. Look at the next verse in scripture here. This is Galatians 4 and verse number 16. He said, am I therefore become your enemy? He said, you thought a lot of me when I first come. You'd have taken your two eyes, plucked them out and given them to me. You listened to me, you thought a lot about me. He said, but now that I've been here a while, Man, you deem me an angel of God. Woo, bless God for him. He said, but now that I've been around for a while, he said, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I don't do this, okay? Well, we've been here back on the KO Corral for six years. I've been back home for six years. Please understand my spirit in all this. Paul says when I first come, man, he's back. Nothing about me, but it just there's just something about something new. Even some of you, when you first came to church, man, that's a that's a great church. And we enjoy that preaching and that singing. Mm, yeah, that's great. 
Man, this is the angel of God here. But has the church become your enemy? Because we preach truth to you. Was it all right because the first five services seemed to pet you just right and touch you where you wanted to be touched and you heard what you wanted to hear or you were living life right and everything was fine but you start getting on a rocky road and now it shaved you down the side and split you down the middle or now you become the enemy of the church and the enemy of the pastor and the enemy of some of your saints because they're preaching truth to you? Let me tell you, the church is always going to have enemies and I'm going to always have enemies because we're going to propagate truth and truth is not accepted by everybody. Truth is a divisive line. It says right, wrong, black, white, sin, not sin. Truth will always be a divider. Jesus said, whenever I come to the world, I didn't come for the unity, but I come with division, separating children from their parents, mothers from daughters, fathers from sons. He's the great divider because he is truth, the way, the truth, the life. Someone say, yes, Lord. Amen. In essence, I don't believe Paul was really trying to draw attention to personally himself. But he's trying to draw attention to the message he propagated. The message that he propagated. Truth will divide. I want to frequent that altar and say, God, send a word through the preacher to my life. I'm not saying God send me a word that's going to settle well with me, but send a word that's going to dig me out. It's going to dung around me, so to speak. Because that's really what's going to render help for me. What the old man say about his tree? He said, he told the Lord, he said, give me one more year. Let me dig around it. Let me dung around it. And let's see if there can be any benefit from it. But you know what he did say? He didn't say, rather, he didn't say, Lord, give me one more year and I'm going to carry on and just ignore it and see what happens. Because a year would pass and he would have the same condition. Sometimes it takes digging. Sometimes it takes fertilizing. And that's going to be the best profit to us rather than me just looking out here. The Bible says in the Old Testament Scripture, and this is something maybe I need to be a little bit more proactive about as far as invoicing it. And it says, know the state of your flock. I a lot of times know the state of my flock. Whew, do I ever? I go to the Lord and I pray about it and all this other stuff. I might need to know the state of my flock and start kicking some sheep back in the boundary.
What are you doing? Some, he broke some of their legs at times. Not just for their own safety, but for the influence that they had on other sheep. Because everybody in this place has some type of influence. And it can be for the better or for the worse. <laughs> okay, I really need to just close. Stand with me so I can. So the two primary prayer requests of hell was, Lord, give me mercy. And Lord, send a word with a speaker, a preacher, back. Again, the tragedy of the matter, those two prayer requests are two things that were readily available while life was still being lived upon the earth. It's a tragedy to think that we could miss it in this life and spend eternity in hell with two requests that would always been met while we were still living. So I implore us tonight, we're not consumed because of his mercy right now. It's readily available or you'd already be consumed, each and every one of us. There's already been a few things in our past and probably maybe even in our tomorrow that if God wanted to, mercy withdrawn, boom, there you have it. Secondly, I implore this congregation, stay where you are. If you've got to transition because of a job, I understand that. I understand those type of things. But if you are just, something just not going your way or something just not meeting your fancy right now, just stay exactly where you're at. Pray. Ask that God would send a word through the preacher, even if it's the word you don't want to hear. Because we'll only be made better be made better by that and if we'll do that the two prayer requests that we would render in hell we could get answered while we still walk this earth and the possibility and probability then of heaven is looking very very favorsome toward you and I amen Sometimes the voice is this. Those people there know me too much. I need to get away. You'll never be able to face your past if you keep running from it. Just need a fresh slate. That's going to work. I'm sorry. It's not because you still got your intimidating memory. Wherever you may go that no one knows me, but you know. Just stay right where you're at. Because there will be no people rejoicing with you anymore than the ones that knew where you were. To write going on further past that, to being a better you. There there is a better priest if we know your past. And you're going on for God and you're going forward. There isn't going to be no greater people to rejoice with you than those that knew where you came from. We're in this thing together. I need you. You need me. 
We need to dig in our heels and latch on to truth. Latch on to God's word. Because the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but his word will be a church of the word. People of the word. Everything else will fall. It shall. The Bible disclaims it as so. But if we become people in the church of the word, we'll stand when everything else is falling. When everything else is turning back and running. When everything else is becoming diluted and dissolving. The church and his people will stand if they made his word a point of foundation for us in our lives. The prayer request of hell. God have mercy. God send a preacher. Sorry rich man. We can't answer those. You're praying prayers where there's no altar. I admonish us this, this, this evening to take advantage of the altar we have here right now tonight. And let's pray some prayers of that. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.